This is a Rooster Teeth production. A ride at a popular amusement park in Australia was mysteriously engulfed in flames on the night of June 9th, 1979. Seven passengers sadly lost their lives that night, and the cause of the fire has yet to be officially determined. Today, we look at the tragic story behind the mystery of the Luna Park Ghost Train Fire. This is Red Web. Welcome back to another Mystery Monday, the podcast about movies, about mysteries. We talk about cryptids, we talk about aliens, we talk about true crime, we talk about the unsolved of the internet, we talk about everything. I'm your resident mystery enthusiast, Trevor Collins, and coming with me, joining this journey with a fresh take with new eyes, Alfredo Diaz. Insurance money. That's why I went ablaze. And that's the episode. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you next week. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a very good gut instinct. I do think that that will be in play because that was kind of what I was thinking as right. we were kind of going through this one in the research. But I do want to say shout out to task force member Santia R for suggesting this one. I want to be better about shouting oh. out the task force when they recommend mysteries to us. Oh, yeah. Okay. Task force members coming into play. All oh, right. Yeah. They're an international force. That's true. You know, if we want to go hang out, this is taking place in Australia. If we want to go hang out with them, we got to hop aboard Task Force One, fly on over. Yeah, Task Force Mm -hmm. One. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But uh, thank you again for submitting this one. This one, too, I can't help but tease it now, and I'll reveal it in but a few minutes, has a personal anecdote that you don't even know you're a part of. What? What do you mean? Luna Park, Australia. (laughs) We'll get into it. This is... What? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) Did we... Go there during the uh, four. The gut instinct comes to play. Yes, we went to a Luna Park, not this one. Oh, a one. I, I, I was uh, as soon as I saw the photo of this place. Well, let's get into the the, the story, and then I'll show you. It's really moments away, but all right. Today we're talking about the amusement park Luna Park. This particular park has been open on the Sydney Harbour in Australia since 1935. Its iconic face arch welcomes visitors year round. It's one of the kind of quintessential images that you see when you see Luna Park. It's this big smiley face and you walk through the big gaping mouth. That's terrifying. It is kind of creepy. Well, I mean, it was what, 1935? 1935, yeah. Back then it was like, yay, wee! And it's like, nah, it's, it's a giant, I'll be honest, it's a giant creepy white face. It is. That's what it is. Got some rosy cheeks. Does that help you? Maybe a little uh, jolly. Yeah, honestly, jogginess. jagged teeth. They're, they're pretty jagged. It feels like you're getting Bright swallowed up by eyes. a titan when you walk in. Yeah. You know, attack on titan. Well, that is the Sydney Harbor entrance. This is the Melbourne entrance, literally right next door to the Palais Theater uh, that we, we performed, performed at. at. Yeah. yeah, you and I. In addition to a bunch of other co-workers that we worked with, we did a live show back in the beginning of 2019. But yeah, you look left of the theater. Yeah. You, you remember that? Yeah. This one looks a little bit more aggressive, a little edgier on this the face. This one looks cooler. Way yeah. cooler. It's, it looks like a like a cool mask. It's like stylized. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So yeah, that like as soon as I saw this image, I was like, oh my God, Fredo and I have both been there. We've been there. Tactile, hands on, ready to go. Now, that is the park. Happy, joyous, popcorn, churros. Oh, churros. You know, fake pretzels shaped like the mascot. I don't know. That sure is in there. Now, this doesn't center on the park, but rather a ride. The Ghost Train. It was a dark ride which guided riders through a uh, disorienting dark tunnel filled with jump scares and other spooky elements, pretty much like a haunted house on wheels, right? Now, if you don't know, a dark ride is an indoor amusement ride on which passengers aboard guided vehicles travel through specially lit scenes, usually for narrative purposes, uh, a very common dark ride that you must have heard of. It's very tropey, present in a lot of shows and movies, would be the Tunnel of Love. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, a type of dark yeah, yeah. ride. I mean, it's even in video games, Left 4 Dead. Yeah. In uh, Arkham Asylum? There's one? I think so. That sounds familiar. I think so, yeah. yeah. If not Arkham Asylum, Arkham City. Arkham it's City. in the Arkham think, games. That yeah, definitely yeah. sounds right. But yeah, I mean, so not all dark rides are necessarily dark and scary, but it's just to describe the fact that it's an indoor kind of labyrinthian ride. And the reason why that's important is because of what comes next. 
Now, the Ghost Train ride opened in 1931 at the Luna Park located in Glen Elk. The ride later moved to Sydney in 1935 and was remodeled to have a more paranormal theme to it. It had spooky decorations like cobwebs, animatronics, and music. But despite these additions, it still had the same winding path that it always had. Awkward fun fact, it even had a fake fireplace in one of the rooms. Oh. Reason why it's awkward is because if it, you flash forward, it, yeah. 1979, June 9th, around 10:15 p.m., thick smoke was seen coming out of the entrance and the exit of the tunnels. It was realized that a fire had started somewhere inside the ghost train. One witness actually claimed that it started nowhere else but the fake fireplace itself. I feel like someone went, it's got a fake fireplace. It started there. You know, right. kind of just like is the easiest thing to make up. Well, the, the brain wants to go like fire, fireplace. Oh, yeah. it must be. Right. It's just the easiest thing to just like BS on. Right. I feel like. Oh, yeah. Now, unfortunately, at the time, there were 35 riders believed to be on board the ride when the smoke was billowing out the front and back. Now, I will say not all 30, many of these people came out totally unharmed and safe, but strap in because there will be some deaths coming in. The staff started the alarms, and instead of going into the tunnel system themselves to rescue riders individually, which I can understand not wanting to risk further harm to anybody outside the ride, the staff instead kept the train going, hoping to grab riders and remove them from the train carts as they left the tunnel. Meanwhile, other people ran off to go get the fire hose system at the park. However, it was unable to extinguish the flames because the water pressure in that hose was too low, leaving the firefighters forced to resort to the water of the harbor to put out this blaze. Wait, was it just like an expired fire extinguisher? I don't, I don't know what's going on with that, because normally it's plugged up to an emergency water system. So that yeah. way, the only thing that taps this is fire hydrants. It's not like tapped by anything else. So that way, if someone's running a shower, you don't suddenly have a weak right. oh, emergency. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have like fire extinguisher. Well, the whole place is starting to go up. Yeah, right? that's true. And I mean, so more so if anything that just combat like the fire from hitting the cart. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we'll dive into why this fire got so out of hand. Like, of course, your instinct to say fire extinguisher, all these other things like, yeah, you are totally right. Easier to say. said than done, too. Well, I not really, mm -hmm. <laughs> but but in this place, perhaps, yes, because we'll find in the investigation phase that there were a lot of oversights in their precautions, despite many warnings. We'll get into all that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So the fire hose system not working well enough. They start using buckets of water, you know, from the harbor to try to put this thing out. And it took over an hour to finally stop this blaze. But by then, the ride itself had been totally consumed. No other rides were affected by this fire. It seemed localized to this ride. So thankfully, it didn't spread. And it was believed that all 35 riders that had previously been expected on the ride had been rescued. However, unfortunately, at 11.30 p.m., after the fire had been stopped, there were seven bodies found in the remnants of these tunnels. So there were 42 people overall. Correct. Oh. It is weird that, like, they're like, they're, I, I think there's about 35 people in there, and then after it all is said and done, they're like, cool, we have 35 people standing here that have all made it out. But yeah, it's not until the blaze all kind of settles down, and in the dust and ashes, they see seven victims. That is a cool little tidbit because it's so surprisingly accurately inaccurate. Yeah. Because it's just, you're inaccurate because there's still seven more people. Right. But you're accurate on the Survivors. inaccurate head count. Right. <laughs> you want, there's 35. Oh, look, there's 35. Right. It could have been so 36. So you think you're like, oh, yeah. we're good. Yeah, oh, it, could have, it could have been 36. You're like, oh, we, we undercounted. Or 34. Oh my God, we're still missing one. But mm -hmm. they were like, mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> Yeah, so among the seven bodies were a handful of individuals. You have John Godson and his children, Damien and Craig. This was their last ride of the day, which makes this all the more morbid. Jenny Godson, the wife and mother of the victims, stayed behind to get ice cream instead. Oh, man. Yeah, you did say victims. Mm-hmm. So you just like, you go, you get ice cream, and you go, I'll see them right after the ride. Right. I'm, I don't I'm, like the spooky I've scaries. done a bunch of rides for the day. I don't exhausted. like spooky Yeah. And then you come back and it's literally like you turn around. I just imagine you turn around, everything's smoking, a blaze, and mm -hmm. just ice cream falls out your hand. I can't imagine. you're just in awe and Ugh. shock. Just, I can't imagine the gut punch that that would feel. You know what I mean? 
But in addition to those three, there were also a group of friends around the ages of 12 to 13. Jonathan Billings, Richard Carroll, Michael Johnson, and Seamus Raleigh were all among the, uh, the victims there. But of course, after the incident with this fire, Luna Park was shut down immediately for an investigation to take place. No more tampering with things, no more guests coming through to inadvertently step on any evidence. Investigation time, let's get in there. The park had been warned for what it's worth about fire hazards present in this very wooden tunnel by the fire department itself in 1977. Two years prior to this, they had been given official warnings that this is filled with fire hazards. They said the tunnel was not equipped with proper emergency lighting, exit signs, or a sprinkler system. So it didn't even have a damn sprinkler mm -mm. system. Yeah. Ooh. 1930s, baby. Grandfathered in that old just way of doing things, I guess. But that's when you say like, well, a fire extinguisher, right? And you're like, I, I yeah. would have thought so. But man, they just really kept it going as it was. Here's the thing. Go for it. People knew that this place wasn't up the code. Someone set it ablaze to teach him a lesson? That's a very interesting question. There's a lot of motive that could come from arson, right? Yeah. But also, because it's so old, yes, there are exacerbating reasons as to not stopping the blaze, like having a sprinkler system, right? But because it's old, also, it could be just old wiring. There's old things happening. It's like, it's, it's, that's why this is a mystery, because it's ripe for... Like, well, all the theories that we're going to talk about. Yeah. And I will and I will say, like, I think maybe this is just the way I've experienced it so far. Like, the world is more stringent with, like, coding, safety oh, coding and stuff like that. Absolutely. Nowadays. I would or, say or, so. Yeah. Lots of, like, checked with fire marshals and you have to properly place things. It's a lot more. The code has been updated drastically mm -hmm. from that time. Right. Um, back then, it was a lot looser. Right. Now you can't even, uh, you know, paint your bedroom wall without a permit. Yeah, you need a permit for everything. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm exaggerating, but, but yeah, I mean, I would absolutely say that things are a lot more stringent today. And I think it's as tedious as it can be, it's for the health and safety of just anyone. Yeah. Would you get on this ride knowing that it was built in 1930s? Hell no. Theme aside. I wouldn't you know, get on anything that old yeah. object or person. <laughs> baby hands are out sorry I mean I'll just say camera pans over to the Palais Theater stage older than this this park probably oh you were tap dancing all over that thing I think I've been tricked I was either riding on your back or you were riding on my back I just yeah. remember that happening on stage <laughs> yeah. yeah I don't know like the, there's a charm to that old as it were carnival style ride yeah but uh, I, okay Anecdote time, story time. I went, before we continue, I apologize. I went on a dark ride, not all, like a few years ago. And it was one of those traveling dark rides. So it's definitely a lot smaller than something like this would be. Mm -hmm. But I went in and I think that there have been viral videos of this very same ride where you go in and it, it's like a small coaster. It goes into this room and it goes up a hill and it comes back down and it goes right back out. None of the accoutrement was in there. None oh, of the, I've seen this. None of the props, yeah. none of the Wait, setting, so none of the lighting. Just... It was just a black box with a couple of pinholes for the sun to accidentally come through the rusty walls. I'm like, what is this? And it's like 15 seconds long. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen videos of that. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. But um, oh, that you, sounds so jank. People, and then like it, the camera pans outside. There's a whole line going. People think it's real. <laughs> and then they get on and they go, what the heck? I'm like, tell the line. Yeah. Save yeah. a soul a minute. Yeah. You know? People are getting baited and you're just letting it happen. You know what? It's probably the shock. Oh. Then when, I can't. <laughs> wait, what? I can't. No, there's no way that that there was. Something you saw like a ghoul or something, right? Like, <laughs> I saw did, a I, ghoul. did I miss that one ghoul that was in there? Like, listen, it might be an empty room, but it is filthy haunted. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You just didn't see the spirit. I mean, if you were shocked by the emptiness, that's on you. That's true. No. I think people were just coming out going, What the I, hell? I came out touched by a spirit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, wild flashback memory I suddenly had there. But but anyway, uh, yeah, the fire department came back in 1977 and said no. This is not up to par. And the park, of course, as we know now, ignored these warnings and failed, of course, to install a sprinkler system. Ironically enough, in 1979, just one month prior to this incident, there was another inspection. And Luna Park was given a one-year warning to make these safety improvements 
air quotes or else. I don't know why after two years, they're like, all right, here's your one year warning. But I was about to say, like, things take time. A year is kind of a lot, but I get it. You got quarterly budgets and mm -hmm. everything like that, but you're kind of going into the realm of safety. Right. So I don't know if I'd necessarily give a year. Like, if I was like the head of safety inspection services, I feel like I'd give them six months. But if they had two years before that, right? no. I, need I feel to, like that's a heavy fine and I get this done tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Heavy fine done tomorrow and I'm going to come back and check the progress. I also think... You're servicing people with this ride. Right. And it's dangerous. And I think this goes to your point. It's been about 50 years since this all went down. 45 years-ish. And... Safety regulations are a little bit more stringent now. I would imagine today they'd been like, sure, here's your one-year warning, but you can't put anybody on it until yeah, it yeah. is passing inspection. Yep. So it would behoove them to then move with speed. Mm -hmm. But like I said, this was one month before the fire. And so that doesn't mean anything about the warning or whatever. I'm not trying yeah. to blame any fire. It's just bad timing, you know? Like, listen when the fire marshal is telling you, you got to update some stuff. I mean... <sighs> These rides are just terrifying. I don't know. Maybe it's because like... Maybe that's to, part of the scare factor. I'd go to a place like Knott's Berry Farm and I'm like, that wood can't be that strong, is it? Right. Is this going to fall apart under me? Right. Is that nail going to like rust and fall off? Like right. how often are they doing inspections? I've seen Final Destination... Enough. Three? three. Is it three? Oh, yeah. is that three with their... I the thought road. you were going to yeah. say that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been in line at the, at the park waiting for the ride and then it comes above you and you hear squeaky 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 as mm -hmm. it like bottoms out on the yep. on the hill and you're like well hold on a second how many times can it really take that yeah but before the ride had begun that night there was a number of passengers that reported the smell of smoke and what this comes down to is just the lack of common sense but also bad timing because the ghost train's usual attendant there was usually an individual who would be on duty to kind of help run this thing. And so they would have noticed if any smells were out of the ordinary. But a lot of people, whether it be riders or employees, kind of dismiss this smell of smoke as part of the ride, which I guess I understand if it's a spooky ride, but fake smoke does not smell like real smoke. Maybe, maybe you listen to Smokey, the, the bear. Yeah. And you get in there and you poke around mm. where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, only you can prevent forest fires. Right. Nobody else, just you. Not me, <laughs> if you. It's, if it's set ablaze, <laughs> no one can help you but yourself. Right. And you better, because I'm out here and that's it. flailing. I just imagine <laughs> a forest just being set ablaze. We're all hanging out, and Smokey just chooses Christian. <laughs> and then Trevor and I are like, we're certified. Maybe even firefighters no, no, no. at that point. You. And it's like, nope, <laughs> don't help him. <laughs> this He's got now. This is only he can do this. Well, you best get the obituaries ready because it's <laughs> oh, going well. Now, there's some other interesting notes that come out here that we'll dive into, especially in the theory section. But during the investigation, police suspected that the victims of the fire had gotten out of their cars to try to escape the fire on foot, but must have gotten lost in the dark and winding tunnels of this place, which makes sense. Again, there's no emergency lights. It's a dark ride. And we'll continue to expand upon this element here because there were fire marshals that even struggled with this with the lights on. But during the coronial, and I hope I'm saying that properly, it's a new adjective for me, the coronial inquiry of the case, that is uh, an inquiry, an investigation done by the coroner, uh, coroner Kevin Anderson, they stated that while the park management failed to properly care for their patrons, the failure was, quote, not that high degree of negligence necessary to support a charge of criminal negligence. He's basically saying it. Yeah, they made a few mistakes I mean, in their day, but this isn't enough. Seven victims. You had a handful of victims. You had years of warning. You had another warning. Give mm -hmm. you more time. I mean, at this point, come on. I don't know. You cuff them. Yeah, that is criminal negligence. Yeah, or at least severe negligence. Yeah. I don't think they intended to harm anybody, but they definitely allowed pretty dangerous precautions to go untaken. So, I mean, the, the family, obviously, mm -hmm. there's no price you can put on human life. But, I mean, does the family get, like, at least a fat payout for that? Like, That's an interesting food question. and everything like that? Like, my goodness. Yeah, I don't know. Christian's going to take a look at that. Or is it just a complete damn crime it at they, this point they it feels slap like they're just on the wrist it feels they don't like pay they're just anyone out on. nothing yeah 
I don't know. Kristen's going to look into the details, that but it be does upsetting. feel like they're just going, mm, yeah, maybe nothing to see here. Move on. But ultimately, this initial investigation proved unsuccessful. Until 1987, the National Crime Authority reopened the investigation. They did not find any new evidence, but they did conclude that the initial investigation and coronial inquiry had been insufficient. The cause of the fire has never been properly established. In fact, in 2021, following a documentary by ABC, the New South Wales government offered $1 million for any information on the Luna Park fire. Any eyewitness accounts, any evidence that people could provide that would help solve this were offered a million dollar reward. Holy hell. That was e last year. E even like, wow. Like, I'm curious as to why they're like, okay, after so much time, we're going to revisit the case. Mm -hmm. Usually it's because there's some type of evidence that showed up that could, you know, warrants that, that has warranted the case to be opened up again. Yeah. But they're really hell bent on like, finding out because now they're offering offering a million dollars oh yeah a million dollars and that was just in 2021 yeah but the initial reopening was eight years after it and i believe that that was because whoever was reopening it kind of had the idea that it was not sufficiently investigated and at the end of their investigation they did conclude that the initial investigation was not sufficient but that's pretty much all they came out away with you know well, that's the thing. When when Did they claim insurance on it, like that's another good question. I don't know I about got, that either. I got good questions today. You do. I'm making, I'm making Christian work. Clickety clack, clickety clack. That chair not failing, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, that's the thing. Sometimes the details right. fall through the crack. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to keep track of. Yeah, and it's you're going way back when when there was an internet. So, but what I'm saying right now, the survivors definitely try to keep kind of pressure on to find out to continue investigating and whatnot, but I'm not seeing anything about like restitutions paid mm. out to the surviving, the, the victims' families or the other survivors or anything like that. Not to say that it didn't happen. I'm right, just not, yeah, I'm just yeah. Not yeah. Pull yeah. Thing up. I mean, it's, it's hard to mm -hmm. track something down like that way back when. Um, well, what is the, and there's no actual answer here. I'm just curious on your gut check. What is the $1 million reward on any information as recent as 2021 tell you about the weight of this investigation it honestly kind of just feels like this might be dramatic but it just feels like they're still haunted by it right Where yeah. they're just like this is like a big stain in our history we want to figure out why right this happened it makes me curious like are there officials behind maybe this reward that have a semblance of an idea as to like maybe this wasn't just a simple negligent accident mm -hmm. but maybe more mm -hmm. i mean that's what we're going to talk about here in a bit in the theories but that's where you slap the tinfoil hats on oh absolutely go. does someone get past like a a dirty ledger log oh. of like things that happen you know what i mean mm -hmm. a little black book and all of a sudden it's like oh right you know like those sign in sign outs when people clean the bathrooms yeah. at places mm -hmm. you know Someone did a pass. They checked the place. There's a gap here. 30 minutes. 30 minute gap. Who was supposed to be here? Right. And why weren't they? Hmm? Well, hello, Task Force members. Trevor here, as always, talking directly to you. In this little one-on-one, -on -one, I'm not going to ask you to do things like I normally do. Instead, I'm going to reflect on this very special moment in time where we essentially have the entire year behind us and a brand new year ahead of us. Lots to hope for, lots to reflect on, but in this moment, I want to thank you all for supporting us throughout the entire year of 2022. As this show grows older, your support has not waned. We launched uh, the case files. We have the pin of the month club. We have a lot going on in a lot of ways that you guys have shown your support. So thank you all so much, whether it be representing our merch around the world or just spending your free time to give us those five stars wherever you listen to us and review us or just share us with a friend. All of that stuff has been so incremental in keeping us around and helping us grow and finding new task force members that feel so impassioned by mysteries and the unknown and the unsolved. So thank you all so much for your continued support this year. And we hope to keep having you around in the task force into the next year. And I hope your resolutions are strong. If not, I will come bumbling down the chimney and uh, berate you to make sure that you are sticking to your accessible New Year's goals. Don't set up, you know, like, I want to be key man, where I can grab a weapon, shout a word, and suddenly become buff overnight. No, you need to take the time to become a scientist, 
learn the ways of chemistry, and your muscles will be rippling in no time. Again, that always sounds like I'm skirting the line of encouraging people to use growth hormones for their muscle building techniques, but it's not. I'm not telling you to use steroids. <laughs> it just sounds like that, dang it. Anyway, truly, Task Force, uh, thank you very much for continuing to listen and support the show. It really means a whole lot to us. And with that said, I have a couple fantastic sponsors. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by Mint Mobile. This holiday season, the best deal in wireless is at Mint Mobile. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you'll get another three months for free, which is some absurd savings considering their plans start at just $15 a month. How? Mint Mobile sells premium wireless service online only, so you can save a ton of money by ordering your eSIM and activating it from home. All of Mint's plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And right now, Mint Mobile's got their best offer of the year. When you buy any three-month plan, you'll get three months for free. I haven't used Mint Mobile myself, but I do have a very close friend of mine that I trust inherently named Jack Patillo, who has used Mint Mobile in the recent months, and he has he swapped over, and he really loves it. He enjoys how seamless that process was, and jumping over to a more cost-effective plan has been really joyful for him, because I know how often he needs to stay in touch with family members, not only here in the States, but across the board over into Australia. So he has really enjoyed their service. For a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three months more for free by going to mintmobile.com slash redweb. That's mintmobile.com slash redweb. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash redweb. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by Rocket Money. New year, new budget. If your New Year's goal is to save money, you need Rocket Money. Say goodbye to last year's outdated, disorganized methods for managing your money and say hello to Rocket Money, the better way to back your finances in 2023. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one convenient place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, like that free trial you never even used. They'll identify your subscriptions, then you can cancel anything you don't want as easily as clicking a button. Just find the subscription and press cancel, and Rocket Money cancels it for you. I appreciate how organized and how one-stop shop this whole thing is to really audit all the ongoing subscriptions of life, whether it's food or streaming or whatever else, everything seems to have a subscription now, and this is an easy way to monitor your bills and make sure you're not overspending in any one category. Stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash redweb. That's rocketmoney.com slash redweb. One more time, rocketmoney.com slash redweb. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by Optimum Chairs. Gaming well requires a comfortable chair, and if you want the comfiest, most ergonomic place for your butt and your back, Optimum Chairs is the place to go. You can get yourself comfy, durable, long-lasting gaming chairs with all the fancy ergonomic stuff that you like, all at the price that blows the competition away. Plus, they're super durable for long-lasting hard raids late at night. I know you, I see you playing with your feet up gaming, and you want to play with all your friends uh, this chair is going to be able to uh, to last through those hard nights. I've been there. I've done it. I've worn those chairs down. I really appreciate that Optimum chairs are comfortable as well because they sent us one in black and red to match the task force colors. And I, uh, I really enjoy sitting in it because it is ergonomic and it helps with my back posture. And Optimum Chairs Pro Gaming Chairs are backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're unhappy for any reason, even though they're confident you won't be, you don't even have to worry about it. Shipping is free worldwide, so why wait? Upgrade your setup and get comfy. For a limited time, you can get 10% off at checkout when you go to OptimumChairs.com and use our code REDWEB10. REDWEB10. That's OptimumChairs.com using code REDWEB10 to get those 10% off there at checkout. Get 10% off your chair. Again, shipping is free worldwide. Enjoy your Optimum Chair. And with that said, let's get right back into the mystery. All right, let's talk about the theories. Number one, numero uno, arson. A case of insurance money, vandalism, or just an attack, I don't know, arson. Witnesses of the incident have described smelling kerosene 
near the ride that very night. So not only did people smell smoke at the time that they kind of ignored for a bit, but they smelled kerosene. And reports of this smell are coming in as recent as 2021. Kerosene, for those who don't know, it has a very distinct yet pungent oily smell. Once you've smelled it once, I'm sure it will imprint on your brain again, but also a very flammable substance. I mean, if that's really what they smelled, then that's got to be it. How's it that not, like how's it, that not right? it? Like, right. why is kerosene there if not to, like, there's just, what are you, what are you like oiling something up? Right. With this flammable ride material? Runs on kerosene. Like, yeah, I just, I mean, I that just, I don't know. Sometimes, like, on this show, information comes through and I go, how's that not it? Right. You're you like, that mean? is loud. Right. But it's all dependent on, like, did they really smell that? Mm-hmm. So kerosene, for what it's worth, and I just looked this up because I was curious, why would it be present at this ride? Well, kerosene is typically used, I hear it taken on camping trips a lot, but it's typically used for cooking, lighting, and heating. You might see them in old-timey, if you will, like kind of lanterns or like natural gas stoves that you take camping or whatever, but also for heating. And if this ride was heated or, you know, I don't know, maybe if there's like that fake fireplace, did it use real fire, but it was still fake fire. I don't know. Like, I'm wondering if there are valid reasons it could be present, but what how, makes it... How, how was the, how are the heating systems back then, right? Like, I would imagine not heated. I would imagine this place yeah. would be cold if it was cold, right? hot if it's hot. Because that's just a lot of money. Right. They don't have a sprinkler system. They're not going to put in HVAC. That's true. Yeah, that is a very good point. So they're, maybe they're I'll just take that back off the table. Have like a... a heating air conditioning system like oh it's good in here yeah definitely good dangerous but feels nice <laughs> yeah. yeah so like to only exacerbate the presence of kerosene right there was also reportedly okay this is again coming through eyewitness apparently at the time not corroborated or anything but as the uh theory goes there was reportedly a group of men standing around the ride discussing using quote kerosene and matches to probably of course light a fire the group was described by witnesses as bikers in blue jeans, leather jackets, and knee-high boots. And just before the fire started, witnesses alleged that they heard the men say, quote, I spread the kerosene out and I lit it with a match. Followed by, quote, you shouldn't have done that. Witnesses also report feeling discouraged that they were not contacted by law enforcement to share their accounts from that night. And I do have a long quote here from Kathy Duar who was a Luna Park employee at that time. But before I dive into that, I want to hear what you're feeling on, on the group of men theory. This sounds damn ridiculous. Yeah? A group of biker boys. We, we got <laughs> okay. some leathered up biker boys. <laughs> right? A group of biker boys standing right outside talking about how they laid out the kerosene yeah. and lit the match. Uh -huh. That is ridiculous. That is wild. But... To me, I'm like, okay, if that's true, if that's real, you got to have more witnesses from the location seeing this group there. And if that's the case, like, are there biker groups in the area that you could look to? Right. Were there I any mean, distinctive marks on how their many jackets? Biker gangs are there going to be? Mm -hmm. I mean, also, I mean, is I mean, it could just also just take out the biker part. Sure. I mean, sure, it's a biker gang, but just a gang. Just, just a group of people. A hired like, gang. Yeah. Right. Well, that, like, as with many of our episodes, a lot of our theories, I think, can combine. And I do think that this one will dovetail, interestingly, into the next one. But I do want you to pin that idea. There's a bunch of biker boys setting things on fire very yeah. loudly. Maybe they put on the disguise to look like a biker gang. They're actually ne'er-do-wells with another ulterior motive. And that's why they're talking loudly. Oh. They're like, I'm going to pin this on a rival group that's, by speaking this out into the that's air. That's smart. That would be interesting. It feels like what you were saying, which is the common trend that we sometimes face when we're talking about the unknown and the, and the mysterious is, how is this not it? This almost either feels way too good to be true, it feels like we got our answer, or it's like, okay, someone's making some stuff up and really clouding the air with this right. nebulous story. Want a book deal. Yeah. So Kathy Dewar, who was a park employee at the time, had this to say with regards to their disappointment, their discouragement in the investigation. And this is a pretty common feeling about how things went down in that investigation. Quote, for me, there were actually two tragedies. 
First, there was the fire itself. The second tragedy for me was the failed investigation, not having the truth come out. There was so much buried, so many facts distorted and hidden. I am definitely prepared at this point in my life to give a statement to the police. And I really resent the fact that I was not given the opportunity to do so at the time. Anyone who was at the park that evening should have been interviewed by the police and whatever observations they had, what experiences they had, should have been documented and recorded. This opens up the idea and continues the trend, in fact, of these investigations not being properly done. And perhaps, I mean, and I'll go ahead and, and say like, we don't have this as a proper standalone theory, but it does raise the idea of a cover-up. And why would there be a cover-up? What other motivations, what other theories can we discuss that would kind of marry with the idea of a cover-up, you know? Yeah. In fact, to exacerbate that idea, you have Detective Inspector Doug Knight, who canceled the search for suspects and concluded the fire was caused by an electrical fault without consulting the many witnesses that were there that night. And this, combined with a lot of people's sentiment that night, again, leads to the idea that maybe this was a cover-up, that something else was going on and the people at the top, whether it be the authorities or the, or the park owners, knew something and they kind of wanted to just move past it. But say, like, they got an expert opinion, right? Mm -hmm. Bar marshal or something like that, mm -hmm. you know? They track it down. They figure out, okay, this was it. What would be the point of, I guess? I, You know what I mean? Not to say that you still don't take notes and investigate, but, right. like, if you, the fire marshal's like, this is it, you know? Like, this is the start of the electrical... Like the fault uh, this, was here. Yeah, the fault was here. Yeah. That's that. that. It's like, do you really spend more time and resources to investigate? That's you know a very I mean? good question. It's why we have a lot of cold cases. Yeah. Sometimes the authorities, just, right yeah, or wrong, not go as thorough. Yeah. They're either not as thorough or they go, yeah. There's nothing else here. I mean, we have it, to close it could it. be that simple that there was just an electrical malfunction that set the whole thing ablaze. Yeah. And that's that. Doesn't have to necessarily be some kind of like backdraft situation. Or is a rogue firefighter sure. setting things ablaze? You're totally right. And I mean, yeah. but that's with every mystery you're going to have. That's true. You can spin it so many different ways in the conspiracies right. and different thoughts. Mm -hmm. But that does inform and kind of merge together with this next idea. And this theory centers around the crime boss, Abraham Saffron. Because some claim that this crime boss hired men to start the fire and then paid the lead detective in the investigation to cover up the truth. So this kind of expands on what, you know, you were kind of questioning on. Like, to me, totally valid that an electrical wiring situation and an old ride could cause this. But let me know your thoughts after we talk about this. I mean, I guess like the reason behind that would be and the motive would just be personal, like, I guess just personal confrontation. Like, why would they care about setting that on fire? Well, remember... We're in the Sydney Harbor area. Mm. And so as this theory continues, and there are some pretty interesting coincidences that line up at the end of this. And I think that people are using that information to kind of inform this theory. But with that said, you know, he was a major organized crime figure in Australia in the late 20th century. Now, to your point, what's the motivation? It was rumored that perhaps he wanted the land that Luna Park sat on for personal use or for the fact that it's just valuable land sitting so close to the Sydney Harbor Bridge. Additionally, Saffron owned multiple hotels, many nightclubs, and other properties that this could fall really nicely into his portfolio. And so perhaps he was trying to create a legal issue, a liability so heavy that the park would have no other recourse but to close due to financial reasons. And then while they're bankrupt, he swoops in, picks up the land, okay. develops it. That's right, kind of now, the theory. Now it's, okay. Yeah. I'm, I feel you. Now though. I can see the motive. There, right. Because right? otherwise you're right. Like why, like, why, why else? I don't mm -hmm. just the flex. I don't know. Yeah. So there was a previous manager of Luna Park, Ted Hopkins. They even claimed that Saffron attempted to buy Luna Park just years before the fire. So that only makes this theory a little bit more titillating because he clearly is interested in the land. And I'm not going to spoil it here, but like he does get a part of that place after the he fire. He does? Well, we, we'll, get it, we'll get into it. Now, in 2007, Saffron's niece, Anne Buckingham, actually claimed that her uncle was, in fact, responsible for this fire. But she didn't believe he meant to kill anybody, 
no, no, no. His motive was to tarnish the reputation of the park so he could get the land. He wasn't after hurting anybody. It was an unfortunate well, happen. Why not do it in the middle of the night? Great point. But then it's not operating, and so there could be reason to say, hey, you know, it was a, a freak accident, or arson becomes more likely as a theory. I don't know. If it's off, you know. Man. They should yeah. have maybe done it while it was testing. Every ride tests before the day is going, right? Mm. But interestingly enough, she later denied ever making this statement. So now you have the wishy-washy. Now you got Mr. Saffron here. Hmm? Yeah, I mean, my little Saffron. Squeezing these witnesses. Mm -hmm. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell nobody anything. Right. Especially his niece, yeah. who said a lot and then tried to wind back a lot. Yeah. Don't you betray this family. Mm -hmm. You want or a else. piece of this land, my empire? But shut your mouth. That could very well be what happened. Additionally, now again, this is alleged, but Saffron was alleged to be connected to several other fires that occurred following the Jesus. ghost train incident. I don't have a lot of hard evidence on that, but again, this is just a theory. Some believe that Saffron had government and police connections that allowed him to cover this up and allowed his crimes to be swept under the rug. Very reminiscent of the mafia activity that we've discussed in previous episodes, right? They get involved, yeah. they get their fingers in every pie, and like when the money starts flowing, people right. start looking the other way. Damn. Right? Really just like, ooh. I mean, but it's it's all hearsay though. Like, oh, it started multiple fires. Right. It's alleged. It's God. like convenient. It's a good scapegoat because he's a crime here's boss. The thing, though, it fits nicely. It fits nicely. It does. It's so nice. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just need something more. I need some some something a little hard in terms of the evidence there. Right. Now here's the piece de resistance. I think the motivation for this theory kind of happening using hindsight because after the fire luna park came under new management <gasps> new ownership of this park who owns the company that owns this park well maybe not saffron himself but saffron's cousins were shareholders and directors of this company in fact his nephew was the financial controller of the company now that ran luna park and after all was said and done Saffron had 100 of his gaming machines installed at this park. And so, yes, he might not have gotten the land as the theory continues to say, but he certainly got a good old piece of that pie in his empire. Yeah, probably some rigged game machines, too. Oh, God, they're not even fun. That, that, that don't grip as hard. Right. You know, the milk bottles are glued together. Yep. Mm -hmm. Stuffed toys, half stuffed. It's a, it's a leaning pinball machine. Yeah. Stuff like that. I mean, come on. If, if, like his cousin was involved. Mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty, pretty hard evidence. Multiple cousins, a nephew. Multiple, and then, the and then whole himself. family's involved. Was it, this Olive Garden? <laughs> hey, when you're at Luna Park, you're in family. Well, I just, <laughs> that was good. I like it's that. just the whole damn family's involved. Right. Not enough breadsticks in come the world to look the other way, if I'm honest. Come on. How is that? Well, maybe this will fix it. Because okay. I know you like evidence and I know you like the tangible stuff. I do. Because you're right. Like coloring books. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sure. Got that right next to your sippy cup of knowledge. <laughs> you can touch a coloring book, Christian. Don't laugh about it. <laughs> you're now, right. I apologize. <laughs> as much as you like evidence, and you even said this earlier yourself, there is no evidence that directly proves that Saffron was involved. And so that's where things remain a mystery. As much as this is convenient and he is a very good scapegoat and a lot of things fall into place nicely, there's no evidence directly pointing to this person being But his cousins and nephews all involved. We should look close. Look, mafia is a family business. Right. To have that many family members involved, that many? Right like, after. Are you, are you, come on. Come on. Come, what? Yeah. Yeah. Task force. I can feel the opinions. I feel that this is one of those like, come on moments. Let us know what you think. Is it is it Abraham Saffron? Is it his family? Is it a little bit of both with a cover up happening? Or is it this next one? Because sometime after the fire, Jenny Godson, the, the surviving wife and mother of the family who fell victim, found photographs from their day at Luna Park. 
The last photo actually ever taken of her son Damien shows him posing next to a figure wearing a demonic-looking mask with horns on his head. Fredo, I'm going to show you this picture now. I've seen this photo somehow. I genuinely have. I just don't know. I can't place it. Now, as always, we're going to post this on our social media at RedWebPod, but we will be censoring the child in the photo given the circumstances. Um, That's a whole, like, it's a big old, like, white mass like huge like so it's gotta be like a kind of like a hat thing it's mm-hmm, got mm-hmm. big old horns coming out of it raggedy hair and kind of drapes over on the shoulders and yes stuff. yeah it's almost like a cloak hat kind yeah of thing. like where it's a big it's like a tarzan kind of like the loincloth loincloth leopard print on the loincloth ripped as hell ripped shredded to tippy toes i mean like he's got a, a 12 pack going on there that that boy count his macros <laughs> Yeah, zero zero, five hundred. Yeah, <laughs> zero grams fat, zero grams carbs, all protein all the time. But no, it is a you know a buff gentleman. I can presume here with honestly, it looks like it's a creepy looking mask, but it gives off cow vibes because it's like yeah, it's like white fur with some black spots, and then it has horns like a bull, well, and then the black hair. What does that have to do with the ride being? I do fire. not know. I do not know what that has to do with the rides being set on fire, but what also does that have to do with anything at that park? I this mean, is where I just outlined straight up that the theory is that this incident was perpetrated by a demon or an evil spirit. And that well, that's this, a real person. But this is a real person <laughs> or photographs of either a cultist, someone who worships this potential demon, or the demon itself is how the theory goes. You tell me this buff six-pack cultist mm-hmm. like literally just dressed up like the most obvious looking thing in the middle of the day almost butt naked i mean he's showing a lot of material that's that's a hard pill to swallow yeah especially when you have the other more pragmatic theories in play yeah but we will continue nonetheless because comparisons have been made now i think it's the morbid nature of this photo I think that that it's also like the really intriguing way that this outfit is created. It seems like it doesn't fit together. You have the leopard loincloth, you know, a buff guy underneath it, but then this like really loose, ill-crafted cow mask that definitely gives off very eerie vibes. And because of all of that surrounding nature, right? All that darkness present in this photo, I think that could be what stokes people's idea here. That's just my personal take. But either way, comparisons have been made between this figure in the photo and the god or fallen angel Moloch, M-O-L-O-C-H, who is believed to have practiced sacrifices, human sacrifices, by burning seven people. And there are seven victims in this fire. But how would you calculate that? How? What do you mean calculate? And like... How would you pull that together to burn exactly seven people? That's where you have to let your mind go and say that something paranormal happened here. Something beyond our expected normal realm of physics happened to ensure that it was seven specific people, right? Mm. It is a bit far-fetched, of course, but some believe the incident may have been the evil work of demons or specifically either a, a demon or a person who idolized Moloch. Uh, They were never able to figure out who this masked person was. And either way, I know there's a lot of different beliefs in the task force, whether they subscribe to this or not. The thing that stands out to me, though, that makes this so interesting and probably created room for this theory to exist is the fact that many claim that Luna Park itself does not hire actors with outfits or masks of this nature. So why would somebody be like this at the park is the main question. Though I do want to say, despite that being a pretty common idea out there, we cannot, and we've looked, we can't confirm or deny this sentiment. There's no like news articles or fact-based journalism that supports this claim. We're going off of a lot of anecdotal evidence, Reddit posts, blog posts, things like that, the people that have talked about this. But I feel like that would be an easily substantiated point. Like, are there actors or are there not actors that dress like this? That was something that crossed my mind. But I mean, it is still kind of a theme park, though. Yeah, there's room for it, for sure. Especially when you look at the big face up front. Like, maybe it's an art style. Maybe it's a little older, but... You're in the bay. 
maybe there was a bunch of people cosplaying that day maybe it was like a i don't know someone higher up in the chain like just hired for one day to test out having i don't know actors or put someone put on like a little sideshow right. or some oh man someone was, someone had a brilliant idea and said this is what we call in the industry earned media yeah I'm gonna get out there dressed like this and the manager's like come on steve mm-hmm. get it together but fine get out there another bad idea steve. another bad idea steve that and your group of knee-high boot men right anyways i'm not gonna install these sprinklers <laughs> right i'll let you try the suit but dang it i'm not putting sprinklers no. in there yeah. So, I mean, as always with these mysteries, like I love, I genuinely love when we get into the supernatural, but this time, while that it falls short for me, it falls short. It does that fall short. That theory falls very short for I me. I do think that that photo is still very, very creepy when you think about it. Of course, you have the unfortunate side of, of the victim in the photo and this being their last photo. But either way, if you showed me in isolation that person in that outfit, no other context, it's kind of I mean, creepy. who's to say it, really it is. just isn't like, a street performer. I mean, it really could be. Or a guest. I imagine yeah. they wouldn't have stopped the guest from coming in who was like, I just want to have a good time and I'm wearing a fun outfit. Like, are they really going to be like, no shoes, no shirt, no service kind of thing? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, th I think it's a reach to be like, this person is a demonic worshiper, a cultist or whatever, mm -hmm. and then wanted to set like something on fire. Well, I mean... That's the, the most practical I can make this theory. And yeah, I think that that is yeah. part of this theory. But to your point, I think the reality is if this wasn't supernatural, but it was in fact somebody who worshiped Moloch mm -hmm. in this case, how would they ensure that seven people fell victims? But then you have to add, oh man, now I'm starting to strap on my tinfoil hat because if the ride managers said that 35 people were in there and then 35 people came out, do you that now I'm starting to think in movie terms, right? Right. That someone with a beautiful mind, like, got seven people like trapped in there or like kind of tied them up in there. So that way, regardless of who was on the ride, these seven people were always there hidden away, you know, for the fire to take them. You Why know what I mean? Throw them in. I mean, well, I don't know. I'm with of, you. Yeah, no, no, for sure. It's a lot I of mean, hurdles. It's, like, it's a lot of work to tie to right. seven people. Like, why there? I guess it's because like you could just hijack a car. Maybe. Yeah. And then just you go, boom, there's my group. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think as as morbidly fascinating as this particular theory is, I think the last thing I'll say is you would expect there to be an increase with something so dramatic, you'd expect there to be an increase in ritualistic events in the area. Yeah. Like you wouldn't have a one and done cultist or demon worshiper ritual of this caliber and then no more right yeah you, think you, you, you might more start to see an upswing of, and, yep but anyway with that said a less riveting theory but ends on a uh, a note that we've kind of dabbled with a few times a faulty wiring situation or even just a loose cigarette butt it is possible that the fire ultimately was nothing but an accident of course you have the negligence of the the park but that is balanced into the idea of the accident so a coronial investigation theorized that maybe it was just a cigarette butt or simply faulty wiring that caused the fire. The lack of lighting, the lack of signage, all of those things inside the ride, as well as the ride's intricate layout and dark nature, all would have gone into play to simply complicate the evacuation process. So what could start as a minor accident quickly falls out of hand when you have no safety precautions in place. Nothing to put the blaze out, nothing to get the people out. And so it just ends up being a really, really unfortunate series of events that could have obviously been prevented. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's that simple, right? Like someone just lights up a cigarette. Not necessarily even a worker. Someone lights up yeah. a cigarette as soon as the ride starts. And like, you know, hell yeah. I'll enjoy this ride my way. Toss the cigarette, but sets the whole thing ablaze. Mm-hmm. I mean, smoking, very prolific in the 70s. You see people doing it on TV. Yeah. And you don't see a lot of people smoking cigarettes nowadays, but I'll tell you, at least growing up, those cigarette butts hit all over the side of the road. Mm -hmm. People are driving, throwing them out. They yeah. don't biodegrade, by the way, most of them. So if you smoke, just be respectful and don't do that. But it could have been a bad habit here. Someone's in a ride, they finish their cigarette, they just snuff it out right. and throw it. And it sets the whole thing ablaze. There you go. Now, uh, go I mean... Ahead. I still sub I subscribe to the whole mobster big uh, saffron. Yeah, I think it fits. Yeah, I mean it's the family member. 
the family members that are now all in charge of this place. I don't like it. Yeah, it's uh, either way, no matter how this kind of cookie crumbles, you end up with, well, I mean, I don't know Saffron, but it, it sounds like he is a crime boss with a crime family. He's in play now. But one other thing that I kind of mentioned at the top of the show, and I want to mention here as part of this theory, there was a fire inspector who warned the park about this particular ride and the fire hazards prior to the incident. I know we already talked about that, but yeah. I want to talk more about their specific experience within the ride, because this is a this is someone who's going in in daytime with a flashlight to investigate this oh, thing while it's not God, operating. This is just like falling apart. Right. And so this only exacerbates the idea of even something as innocuous as faulty wiring it could go way out of hand when you realize this is the experience. He, he described this uh, ride as this, quote, a maze. It was timber, all painted black. As a matter of fact, even with the light on, I was bumping into the partitions and the wall. It was a timber ceiling. I would have gotten lost with the lights on. The only way I could keep going was to follow the railway track. So even somebody who was taking their patient time and looking carefully at everything is still bumping around and getting lost unless they look at the track itself. Yeah, I mean, that explains why I knew everyone didn't just get off the the ride and just start bolting, right? It's mm -hmm. very confusing. So that does help explain how seven people, you know, lost their lives. It's a confusing place. People are looking for exits with no signs. Mm -hmm. And I doubt there's many of them. Also, timber? The whole thing made out of timber? The whole thing's made out of just flammable wood. Yeah. Jeez. Cheap, effective, sturdy, flammable. Yeah. Lastly, the only thing I want to do, as we always do with theories, is like, there is a wrinkle here. This is a theory proposed by one of the coroners, but uh, the official coroner inquiry determined that the ride's permanent wiring and the attractions were not the source of the fire. So that does kind of fly in the face of this particular theory, which leaves us with nothing but question marks, because there is no proper answer to this and why this is still a mystery. Wait, the coroner? Yes. So the coroner said the way that the bodies were burnt, it wasn't electrical? So I know the coroner normally steps in when it's like, there's a dead body on the scene, mm -hmm. that's where they come to investigate. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, as my notes and research have, the coronial inquiry determined that the ride's permanent wiring and attractions were not the source of the fire. I also admit my ignorance when it comes to a coroner, Perhaps they have a broader role than simply just the deceased on scene. Yeah, from what we were, from what we could see, nothing really goes into detail on what the inquiry entailed. Mm. But I don't know what in that inquiry gave the coroner the confidence to say that was not the cause. That's just unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, the, they, the information they're, I mean, they're, they're experts on like figuring out how it happened. Do sure. you know what I mean? Like what the cause of death was yeah. and whatnot. So, so mm -hmm. I mean, I guess, I mean, how would they know about electrical? You'd have to like find the source. And I feel like it's more, that's more so up to the inspectors and fire marshals, et cetera. Right. Like you'd have to find Great the point. source of it. And then from there. Yeah. I don't know. It's very interesting. Or corner was paid off. Or the corner was paid off. And you know what? That, that honestly just kind of continues the trend that we've seen here. That question mark, we're, we're just left with the idea of, was this mishandled? Yeah. Were the wrong people saying the wrong things? Were people paid off to hide things? Like, you end up, like, the closer you look, the more you realize that it seems that Best. what should have been obvious or what should have been easily investigated were not done so and were not properly documented. So you flash forward to today, here in 2022, and uh, you're just left wanting a whole lot of what should have been obvious information. And that's why I think the idea of this being a cover-up has been so loud to a lot of people is because like, how else do you fumble so many different pieces and also lack proper documentation so thoroughly? Yeah, man, that's some, um, it's a little, it's like a little arson mystery. Yeah. Hmm. I don't, I mean, like I, like I said, I, I still think it was like a, a move on gaining more territory. Yeah, you think yeah. that whether it was Saffron or somebody else, they're just trying to get this park out the way of I mean, this prime real like estate? Just straight up Saffron. Could I mean, be. Like it, again, they're I know. very involved like you by move, the end. Like three family members have like ownerships, uh, you know, stakes and whatnot, mm -hmm. chairs. Come on, man. Like, what do you, 
Yeah. To reiterate, his nephew controlled the finances of this new owner. Uh, his cousins were shareholders. So they weren't active, but they were shareholders and they would benefit They're from... profit. Exactly. So suddenly the profit raises, their shares go up and now they have more money. And then he himself had upwards of 100 game machines added to the location. So yeah, I mean, the family's making good on some of this accident here. I totally forgot about that too. And the game machines got put in. Mm -hmm. How is that? Or, I mean, sure, maybe, maybe took advantage of a terrible situation. Yeah, it could just but, be. I mean, it's the, it's the mob. So they, they go, you know what? We create those terrible situations so we can take advantage of those terrible right. situations. That's the mystery. That's the part we don't know. Damn. Did he swoop in to save the park from going bankrupt? Or did he swoop in to instill his own profit making mechanics within the park. That's that's another part of the mystery, right? God. I mean, there's a handful of good stuff too. I mean, maybe it was electrical. Maybe someone accidentally set it ablaze. Not paranormal, I don't think. I, no. I just, there's not enough there for me. This one definitely that. feels pr pretty practical in, in its whatever happened yeah. here was, yeah, mysterious, but also it's an old ride with a lot of missing safety precautions mm -hmm. and, and a lot can go wrong in that environment, whether it was pushed to happen or accidental. I definitely, in this moment, am not feeling the heavy pull of the demonic entity on this one. Well, with all that said, this has been the Luna Park Ghost Train Mystery. Fredo, I'll see you next year, next Monday, for another mystery. Oh no. A new year means a new October, means a new ghost hunt. <laughs> <laughs> it also means squonk coming soon. <laughs> <laughs>